Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. And we're in this series called Life in the Spirit, and today we're going to talk about how you will receive power, and it's specifically a teaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And before I get into it, I want to share a quick story. Back in 2005, there was an ice storm in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania where I lived, and it caused over 50,000 homes to lose their power, some of us for over a week. And I just remember huddling and wearing all of our gear inside, trying to get around any heat source. I was part of a church staff at the time, and we decided to still have our church service, so we had no power in the room freezing cold. Imagine everyone in here, but wearing all of your winter gear, you know, and I played piano and led worship that day. And like the only part of my skin showing was my fingers, you know, and everyone's breath was filling the room because you could see it. It was an incredible memory, but here's a few pictures here. The, The trees were beautiful. They would break over the roads and ultimately we lost power. And this third picture shows you what immediately starts happening all over the Poconos is people sacrificially working, trying to restore power. Because when we lose connection with our power source, the priority becomes reconnecting. And I'm hoping that today we will get stirred by faith to reconnect with the power source, the Holy Spirit. And just a little bit of context from the last couple weeks. There's one God made up of three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is fully and completely almighty God. He's not just like a force that God and Jesus call on. He is God, one of the three persons. He's been active all throughout time. And last week we studied how the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your advocate, your guide, your comforter, and your counselor. If you're not aware of that, go listen to the message from last week. It can totally change your life when we realize we have access to this helper called the Holy Spirit. And today we're reading in Acts 1, starting in verse 1, The title is, You Will Receive Power, and this is Luke writing a follow-up to his gospel, the gospel of Luke, to someone named Theophilus is who he addressed it to. So in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. That was the book of Luke. Until the day he, Jesus, was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And we miss this sometimes. When Jesus walked the earth, he was fully God still, but also embraced being fully man. And when you really study scripture, he is modeling for us life in the spirit. Jesus walked with and relied upon the Holy Spirit in the same way that we are invited to. It says it right there in the text we just read. He was, what did, specifically, instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. And then in verse three, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. The suffering was referring to his crucifixion, his death, his burial, but then his resurrection. And then it said he came around and gave convincing proofs that he was alive. And just by side note today, let's not forget that we serve and follow the alive, risen Christ. This is a living God. And then it says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And when I read that, my heart burns within me, and I wish I was in those meetings. Can you imagine hanging out with Jesus right after the resurrection as he's talking about the kingdom of God before he ascends back to heaven? And it says on one occasion, we get an insight into the conversation. While he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, he's talking about John the Baptist, baptized with water, 
but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked about this last week. Jesus had already started giving them instructions about who the Holy Spirit was. And he said, it is good that I'm going away. He was comforting them by saying, you are going to now receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from my Father. Number one, Jesus tells them to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to share an important piece of my own perspective on this that I believe is critical for the posture of our hearts as we study a topic like this. If you'll just lock in with me for a moment. I want everything that God has for me. That's the posture of my heart in life. And my prayer for you is to receive that everything that God has for you. So if Jesus said we should wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that it is a gift that we should rejoice over, I'm going to pray, God, I want the fullness of your baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life because I want everything you have for me. Everything scripture says with authority as God's word to me, I want it because that is the path towards life to the full that Jesus promised. Anybody tracking with me? So even if this is a totally new topic for you, which I understand for some it is, and I'm thankful, our church, we, we pull from all different kinds of backgrounds, different uh, you know, denominations of churches, and you may come from a background that has never talked about the Holy Spirit in this way, but I wanna encourage you to open up your heart to the possibility based on the prayer, I want what you have for me, God. If you don't want it for me, forget it, but let me just stick with me for these next few minutes as we study what this baptism is really all about. In verse six, it says, they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? That was the pressing desire that was on their heart. They really believed Jesus was gonna overthrow Rome and set up dominance as the king at that time. That's not what he was doing. That's, that was gonna come way down in the future, new heavens, new earth, new kingdom. They thought he was doing it then and he was doing such something much deeper beyond what they could ask or imagine. But they asked their question right in the middle there. And I love what Jesus says. He said to them in verse seven, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And before we read the rest of verse eight, it's worth noting how Jesus says, I'm not answering your question right now. In fact, that's not even for you to know, but you will receive power. And there's a really helpful principle here, and it's this. The Holy Spirit empowers us in the midst of our questions, and we can trust him with the unknown. Another way of saying that is we don't have to have all the answers to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can walk with him and trust him even when we don't understand. So that's good news for us because I don't know about you, sometimes the more I seek the Lord, the more questions I have. Anybody with me? And certainly when we approach topics like the gifts of the Spirit and things that can seem foreign and strange to us, it is okay to not fully understand. Sometimes God says to us like, hey, Nathan, you don't need to know this right now, but you will receive power by my Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that that real moment we have an insight into the real humanity of his disciples and Jesus' answer right here in this story. Reading on, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's very clear, number three, the power of the Holy Spirit comes with a purpose. 
There is a reason, my friend, that you are alive. There is a reason that you are exactly who you are. There is a reason you're here today and you will receive power through the Holy Spirit that comes with a purpose, God's purpose in and through your life. And based on this scripture, it starts with this idea, number four, you will receive power to be witnesses of Jesus to all the world. Jesus said, you're gonna be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And for me, since I live in Thompson Station, Jesus would be saying to me, Nathan, you're gonna be my witness in Thompson Station, the Nashville area, Tennessee, and to the ends of the earth. And that's true of our church. It starts right here, it starts in our heart, and God empowers us to be a witness for him. And then we see it all take place starting in Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We're gonna pause there. This was the birth of the church, the same church that we are still a part of today. And just in case you don't know this, all these different denominations, and we have a lot of churches in Nashville, all of us that profess faith in Christ and hold to the teachings of Scripture, we're on the same team right? And this is when that team was birthed. Are you guys tracking with me? Like Darren Tyler across the street at Conduit. We're buddies. We're on the same team. We encourage each other. Charlie, we are down the road at Gateway. We're buddies. We encourage each other. I could go through lists and we are the church of Jesus together. And this is when it was born. And immediately you begin to see the gifts of the spirit function. Number five, you will receive power to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you study throughout the book of Acts, which chronicles the whole birth of the church and how it began to spread, it's an incredibly exciting book. We see people baptized in the Holy Spirit over and over again, and they would speak in tongues or they would prophesy and they would begin to show evidence of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you study the rest of scripture, you see all these different gifts in this category. This won't be a comprehensive teaching on all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but let me just read some of them and share some examples. Uh, speaking in tongues, that heavenly language, which I already talked about, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment. Next week, we're going to hear a, a really strong message on discernment from a friend of mine. Administration, service, and even in Exodus 31, we see that Holy Spirit uh, inspire artists to create the tabernacle. These are all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was about 12 years old, uh, a woman in our church coming up to me and said, I feel like I have something from God for you. So if you understand some of the language of these prophetic gifts, it was like a word of knowledge or a prophetic word for me as a little 12 year old. I had no idea. I don't even know if she used that language. It's not about the actual language, but this is what was happening. And she said, hey, Nathan, I see God's call and gifting for leadership on your life. Here's a book. And I took it and, you know, my 12-year-old brain was like, whatever. And I went back to like playing video games. But years later, the Holy Spirit reminded me of that as a prophetic word in my life. And it has divinely and supernaturally encouraged me when I wanted to quit because it is from the Lord, right? That's an example of a gift of the Holy Spirit. Another example would be in some of those seasons when I was perhaps discouraged. And some of you guys might be there today. 
I can't tell you how many times when I maybe want to throw in the towel or something is so frustrating or so overwhelming, you stop and you begin to focus your attention on the Lord. Something can happen that is a gift of the Spirit called faith. It's like an extra dose. And all of a sudden, I am lifted in supernatural ways and I feel like I can speak to a mountain and it will move right? Nothing can stop my vision when the Holy Spirit pours out the gift of faith in my life. It's not about me. It's a gift of the Spirit. Tracking with me? These are just examples of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God will give you divine discernment. And I I mentioned already, we're going to look at that next week. And that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a well-known author and teacher named Max Licato. How many of you guys have ever read something or heard his name? He's not traditionally from a background that believes in all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, And I heard him on a teaching recently talk about an experience that he's had now in his 60s as someone who's never really explored this facet of scripture. He says, I came across the passage where the apostle Paul says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. And he said that that got into his heart and began to pray every morning for two or three weeks just during his normal prayer time. And then one morning as he was saying, God, I do eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Early that morning, he said he began to pray in a heavenly language, the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. And he goes on in this teaching to say, I didn't fully understand it. I still don't have all the theological categories, which I so respect him for saying, because that's exactly how I feel about some of the mystery of God. But he said his prayer life before the Lord has never been enriched like it is right now. And that's Max Licato, who's been writing incredibly beautiful things to the church his entire life. He said he is filled over and over again every day. And I love stories like that because they remind us um, Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not about hyping up our emotion. Sometimes Pentecostal churches, and and sometimes pastors can be guilty of this, we can be seen as like manipulating or pushing or trying to hype it up. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm I'm interested in the reality of God, right? The God who's real, who's interested in showing up in our lives, and I want whatever he has for me. So there, sometimes we might have an emotional response to something, but it doesn't have to be that in order to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and have life in the Spirit. You guys tracking with me? I don't want any kind of like spiritual manipulation in our church. I've seen that before. This is not to put pressure on you. You do this or you don't do this. Sometimes people very wrongly have taught that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. Couldn't be further from the truth. Absolute lie from the pit of hell. This is not about trying to get all of you guys to speak in tongues or share prophetic words of knowledge or prophesy or have the gift of healing and faith. It's to challenge you to seek the Lord and say, I want whatever you have for me. You guys tracking with that? It's simply that. So I wanna release you of the pressure and this is just about us collectively seeking God. And I'm still with you as a seeker. I'm the very first up at the altar to say, God, I want you and I want more of you in my life. And we're gonna talk about the, the broader look at the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is just the piece about the gifts, which is absolutely incredible. Then reading on, look how this all shakes out. It says in verse five, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. 
Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So this is catching people's attention. What is going on? They're speaking a heavenly language, but it's actually a language that I know, and I know they don't know it. And I love this principle, number six. You will receive power to declare the wonders of God. Don't just think of it as a heavenly language. I believe that every aspect of our life as we follow Jesus and have life in the spirit declares the wonders of God. It's not about me declaring that. It's not about you declaring that. It's about our lives just evidencing that. There's a story about Jack Hayford, who I got to speak at a conference with once. Have you guys ever heard of Jack Hayford? He went home to be with the Lord, actually, I think just this last month. A real hero of the faith, a pastor to tens of thousands of other pastors, was a big part of the four-square denomination. And he had a story where he was flying once and felt like God the Holy Spirit was speaking to him to speak to the person sitting next to him on the plane in tongues. Now, can you imagine? I immediately would start arguing with God, no, absolutely not. There's no way I'm doing that, God. I'm going to go to jail. Uh, They're going to kick me off this plane. This person's going to, you know, I just, it's like, seems crazy. And he ultimately really felt like God was calling him to do it. So he did it. And he spoke her native language. And they ended up having a conversation and God radically moved in her life. And I know personally, multiple missionaries who've had that exact same experience on the mission field in various parts of the country. So sometimes The gift of speaking in tongues is literally the purpose of speaking the language where God has sent you. Other times, according to the Apostle Paul, you can speak in tongues just privately for the own edification of your faith. Go study it in scripture. It's all throughout it. The Apostle Paul said, I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than all of you because it builds up my faith. And then sometimes speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbeliever like it was on that plane. I'm telling you, we are in a generation now that is very much done with like, the watered-down version of Christianity that won't speak the truth in love. You know what people are hungry for? Truth and supernatural power. That's what people want. That's our obsession with the supernatural. We see it all over entertainment. I mean, the young people that I know, yes, they are the onslaught of culture is tempting them in a myriad of different directions, but you know what they're hungry for? The reality of something, something beyond them. That's why people become... Things like alcoholics or addicted to drugs, it's something stronger than your body. Now, those promises are lies, and they end up destroying you. But if we can present to a generation that's coming up after us, people that are just kids now, the supernatural power of God, they will respond. We do have to be willing to embrace the weird. I'm telling you, we're all involved in a lot more weird things than we realize. Women push new people out of their body. That's weird. I've seen it four times. That's very weird. We all eat food every day and our body does stuff with it and then we release it. That's weird and we all do it. We all go to sleep every night and just kind of disappear into our subconscious laying on beds and lock our doors and then we all wake up in the morning. That's weird. 
I know I kind of sound like a stoner right now, but it is weird, and I'm not a stoner. I'm just pointing out we're around a lot of weird stuff that we get used to, and I, for one, and I want to encourage you, if this is completely foreign and new territory for you, don't just push back on it because it seems really weird. God wants to do incredible things in our lives through things that feel weird, and the gifts of the Spirit are one of those. I want whatever God has for me, and I want for you whatever God has for you. Let's read on what happens in this story, Acts 2, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And Peter goes on to share the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus is now Savior and Lord. And after this first sermon and birth of the church, 3,000 people got saved. So this baptism in the Holy Spirit was a witness to the world, and all of a sudden the church was over 3,000 strong. This is the power of God showing up. Now, there's a crucial element to what it means to be witnesses of Jesus to all the world that we sometimes miss, and that is it's not just about like people can really overemphasize speaking in tongues, though it's such a gift and so important. They can overemphasize prophecy. It's also just simply about the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit which are part of the gifts of the Spirit. For instance, Peter, the guy who preached that first sermon, just a few days before this, right? Not that long, a couple, like I'm not gonna go over the exact amount of days. He was denying Christ because he was scared. He failed three times and was basically running for his life as a failure. Now, after receiving this baptism in the Holy Spirit, is operating with courage. Second Timothy 1 says the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And the principle here is this. You will be witnesses of Jesus because you will receive power to actually walk in the fruit, the results or evidence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the reason that you will be witnesses of Jesus is because this fruit will be in your life. And you don't have to feel this as pressure. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's because you will receive power. Look at some of these texts, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's talking to the church. And how many of you guys know, it is a miracle when the church loves one another. That is part of the fruit of the spirit. I already just read it, 2 Timothy 1, 7. The spirit God gave us, the Holy Spirit, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. When we access the the river of God in our life, when we step into that, we begin to walk in actual power, self-discipline that comes from God. And then you've heard this, but the list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those are miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, fruit, evidence 
part of what tells the world we are witnesses unto Christ. I've got kids, you just met one of them when you ran on stage, between four and 13, and that was my, my oldest and my youngest right there. And one of the things my wife and I have challenged ourselves with that we learned from a teacher about parenting is when you get frustrated at your kids for disobeying, don't make your primary goal getting them to obey. Make your primary goal responding with the fruit of the Spirit. Can any parents agree with me and say, that's a hard task? That is a miracle. But I'm telling you, you can be on your worst day, in your worst mental space, going through the toughest situations. And if you will learn to stop and say, Holy Spirit, my counselor, I need you right now. You begin to step into that river. Remind yourself of who you are in him. You can receive supernatural peace. You can receive supernatural love a different kind. It is easy to love those who love us. God also calls us to love our enemy. That is a supernatural love. We just passed Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He modeled that throughout his life. Jesus calls us to enemy love. He actually said it's even even the pagans, even the people that don't know the Lord love those who love them. I've called you to love those who persecute you. That's what Jesus said. That's a miracle. Anybody tracking with me on this? These are all ways that we are witnesses to Christ to all the world. So what we're going to do to close is we're going to pray. I'm going to share one more story, and the worship team is going to come up. But here's my questions for you. Do you want to perhaps respond to what Jesus has done and follow him today? I don't know if you're a Christian yet, and I just want to give you an opportunity. And in a moment, we're going to pray, and you can put your faith in Jesus and declare him as Savior and Lord. Or are you already a follower of Jesus, but this talk about the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is new to you? Maybe you're just saying, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're just saying, I want everything that God has for me. We want to pray for that. Maybe you just want to be refreshed, filled again with the Holy Spirit, new mercies every day, like Max Licato was talking about, filled over and over and over again. And I'll speak for myself I'm the very first one to respond in this church to say, I want my life to be marked by the fruit and power of the Holy Spirit this year like never before. That's what I want. That is the solution to every prayer I have, every cry of my heart. That is what I long for. And I just wanna invite you and the rest of this church family to come on this journey together. And look what Peter said at the very end of that message in Acts 2, verse 36. Be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You might be sensing the conviction of the Holy Spirit right now. If you are, that's good. Embrace it. That's him calling you home. It says they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Repent is to change the way we think to return to him. If you haven't been baptized yet, let us know. We want to baptize you. We'll do it next week if you haven't been baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And if you're thinking right now, the same way that I have often thought in my life, I might be disqualified for this. How could the Holy Spirit fill me? I just want to remind you about the gospel of Jesus. It is true. The Holy Spirit only fills a holy vessel, a perfect vessel. But how are we holy? 
It is through the gospel of Jesus. Through the very righteousness of Jesus, his righteousness becomes credited to you. Scripture says that you become the righteousness of God and are therefore the perfect vessel for the Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus was filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. You should be amening me right now. This is what the gospel is. The Holy Spirit wants to call you deeper into life with him. Can you stand with me all across the room? One last story before we respond together. A missionary friend of mine had four sons and they were out in the jungle and his oldest sons found a cliff and wanted to jump off the cliff into the river. And one by one, his oldest son went first, his next son, his third son, and then his youngest son was last, last, and he was only like four or five years old, maybe six. And so he wanted to be just like his big brothers. And so he climbed up on the cliff, he mustered all his courage, and he went right to the edge of the cliff, and he looked down at the river, and he just stood there. And his dad watched him knowing that he was trying to build his faith up to actually jump into the river. And then eventually he looked back at his dad and he said, dad, can you push me? And my friend said, so I walked up and I nudged him right in and he went in the river. And for the rest of the day, he celebrated. I went in just like my big brothers. And the Holy Spirit in scripture is also likened to a river. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit fills you in, in the gospel of John, he said that rivers of living water will flow from you. In the book of Revelation, we, we see a picture of the river of life that flows from the throne and, and flows down and brings life to all. And I feel like one of the greatest illustrations from God for us about surrender to the Lord and being all in is diving into the river of God. And you might be just like that youngest son. You might be looking at others and be like, man, it looks like they dove in. It looks like they dove in. I want to dive in, but you might be standing right on the edge. And I just want to tell you, it's okay if you have to look to your father, God, and say, I want to go. Will you please just nudge me in? That's okay. This is not about you and me being perfect. This is just about saying yes. So what I want to do is something that we don't often do at our church and we'll have to crowd around in the front. We did it in first service and we, we all came up front and, and worshiped together. We're just gonna come to the altar and our team wants to pray for you. Team, can some of you guys come up? And it's, it's a very general response. The, the, the call is this. If you wanna walk with me and with our team here and with our church family and say, I want everything God has for me, that's the call. I wanna invite you up and we wanna pray for you to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We wanna pray for you to be encouraged. We wanna give you a chance to put your faith in Jesus and we're just gonna pray with, pray with you as the team sings. So if that's you, come on up right now and just come find a place to worship. We're gonna sing this song and we're gonna pray with you. Church, can we just close our eyes all around the room? I just wanna pray for us. Lord, wherever we are in the room, it, whatever's going on in our life, wherever we are in this chapter, God, I know there's people here who are wrestling, who are hurting. I know there's people who are hungry, who are desperate. And I just pray for each person. I pray they'll be in a posture of receiving. A posture of receiving. I think about, God, I think about what Jim Simbola said in this book. The most mature believer is the one who is bent over, leaning most heavily on the Lord and admitting his total inability to do anything without Christ. The greatest Christian is not the one who has achieved the most 
but rather the one who has received the most. And Lord, I pray that each person in the room right now will bring their hearts before you in the posture of receiving. And not just here today as we gather, but in the secret place later this week in their bedroom or in their car or early in the morning one day when maybe they feel stirred to get up and pray. Or maybe they're going to fast lunch or dinner and they're just going to take an hour, take one little step towards you. And I pray that right there in that moment, they'll be in the posture to receive the very fullness of the presence of the living God the Holy Spirit, the source of power, our only hope. And I pray that they'll receive it based on the gospel of Jesus, that they'll be reminded they are beloved son, beloved daughter, wearing the very righteousness of Christ and designed and created for this life in the spirit. God, I pray the gifts of your spirit will be activated in them in ways that are surprising to them that they'd be willing to just step into the new this year. I keep thinking over and over as a lot of the people that I've prayed for today, I believe it's gonna be a year of newness for us. You say that, behold, I do a new thing. You say that you give us new mercies every single day. You say that we are new creations and you're doing new things in our life, new things in our church. And we declare together as a church, Holy Spirit, we need you. We can't be this church and fulfill what you've called us to do apart from you. So we say we belong to you. You guide us. You move through us. You lead us to people that need hope. You lead us in our decision-making with expansion. We submit all this to you. This is your church. It's your land. We're your people, God. And we're a part of what you're doing in this area. And we're so grateful. So God, just to be really specific, and church, if you want, raise your hands with me or get your heart in a posture of receiving. I pray for a refreshing or for the first time baptism in the Holy Spirit for every single person in this room, oh God. I pray for overflowing power of your presence, God. The fruit of your spirit, the gifts of your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, and I pray this year they're gonna be able to look back on it and see all these new things, budding life pouring out, God. New ideas, new direction, fresh dreams. New power, God. New self-discipline, God. New access to love and peace and forgiveness. We thank you for all these things. I'm going to pray this benediction over us, church. Um, then we'll be dismissed. I do encourage you to continue this time of prayer with the Lord uh, at, when you go home today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the blessing of God Almighty, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray, amen.